Like, it is not enough to say that racism is bad. We all fucking know racism is bad. We all do. I heard myself echo, but I don't hear it anymore, so I think we should be good. You ready Perfect. to rock? Yes. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. This is another episode of the Scoped Exposure podcast. I am very, very excited to be sitting down with Kayla, uh, a Winnipeg, a Winnipeg uh, vocalist of the band Vagina Witchcraft. Thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to chat with me. Absolutely. For scoped exposure, always. Oh, I appreciate that. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> uh, I think, I don't know how old your your band is, but um, we don't have a set of yours up on the channel yet. Uh, Not we yet. could be re-listening to this podcast in years to come and we could have 10. So um, hope, hoping for that eventually to come by. But um, obviously on this podcast, um, <laughs> we're going to be chatting about what's going on in the world, um, the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, I would love to dive into some stuff around... Um, I, I know a lot of people have been, um, I guess, educating people on like, uh, Canada is not exempt from this movement. We have just as many problems and, um, you know, absolutely. Yeah. So without further ado, can you just give me a little intro about your name, who you are, and I guess how you're known in the, uh, music community in Winnipeg? Sure. Um, I'm Kayla, uh, like Spencer said, I'm the lead vocalist of Vagina Witchcraft. Um, the band started in around, at around, I'd say like 20, 2018. Yeah, 2018. And um, yeah, I'm basically known in, in Winnipeg as like the angry, the angry black queer who uses the microphone to educate people and also to expel rage, anger, and information for the most mm-hmm. part. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. And um, you know, I, I listened to that podcast. Um, I think you did it with uh, uh, Witch Police Radio. With, with Witch Police, where they, yeah. where they were talking about how uh, the origins of the band name, because when you hear it for the first time, you see it, it's like, it's very like, not just like a one word kind of like um, thing. Yeah. So it's very memorable in that sense. But uh, it was just based off of your, uh, off of your Instagram handle. So can you, can Basically, you just, yeah. yeah, so that was that just like, a, um, I don't know if there's any meaning behind that um, handle, or you're just kind of being creative, and then it just kind of fit <laughs> the creative nature of the band. Well, basically what happened is my ex-partner said that I had vagina witchcraft and I thought that that was really funny. So I was like, that's going to be my Instagram handle. So I'm, I'm just doing that. And then Dylan, my guitarist and also my roommate, we were just hanging out in the living room one day and we had, we were down for we had a lot of or not enough time to decide and because we were playing a show at the goodwill our very first show with agapito oh. and witch trip and um and uh Agap- and vampires and we were like fuck we need to fucking come up with a band name <laughs> and then dylan was like well what about vagina witchcraft and i was like people are gonna hate that and then i was like wait 
no, no, we're going to, we're going to go with that. That's what we're doing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So the the fire was under your guys's butts and you needed to kind of, you know, figure out something, but, um, totally fitting, um, for you guys for sure. Um, and like mu- music wise, you guys are kind of more on like the doom rock metal. Th- yeah, there's a bunch of like, different influences off of listening to some of your music for sure. Yeah. Well, I would definitely say some of our, our influences would be stuff like I hate God for sure Mm -hmm. a lot of us love i hate god converge um a lot and black sabbath obviously Obviously, um and i definitely think that when it comes to like the instrumentation it's doom metal but like my my vocals stem from like a love of the hardcore genre like when i I definitely hear that yeah so it's like when i hear bands like fuse when i hear bands like dying wish or mortality rate or buggin or like just like fucking angry and it makes me it it definitely has like made me inspired to kind of keep going with this because at the beginning i was like do i need to change how i sound to fit what the instrumentation is so it's been very it's been a a huge kind of like coming into myself and coming into my sound because they already had like what they wanted to do. And I was very confused at the beginning because I didn't know how I wanted to sound in the first place. So I definitely think like listening to those bands and listening to um, the way that they sounded and the the anger that came out of them, I was like, Hey, this is exactly the direction that I want to go. And so I made a point to, to make sure that I sounded like that with the instrumentation. And they were like, good to go. This is how we're going to sound. Let's do it. Yeah. So, and, yeah. And, and whether you're doing vocals or, or playing guitar or playing drums, like if you are trying to pander to a certain genre that maybe is out of your natural, like what you love to write or what you like to, um, how you want to shape your, your vocals, like it always becomes disingenuous and, uh, doubling down on what you're good at is always the right move, in my opinion. Um, Absolutely. So, you know, definitely um, talking about that that rage and that fury that um, you wanted to kind of output into the into your music. I think it would uh, it wouldn't be right for us to just like jump straight there. So let's kind of pull uh, pull the time wheel back. And uh, I always love to give. Uh, get context on all my guests on how they got into music and uh, maybe some of the formative moments for you where um, those uh, moments of realizing something isn't right and wanting to be a voice to that kind of came to be. So uh, tell me kind of the origins of of Kayla and uh, getting into music overall. Okay. um, Well, uh, regarding like how we started this band, um, Two two years ago, um, there's a festival that happens every year in Winnipeg. Uh, it's called Manitoba Metal Fest. Yeah. And um, Cancer Bats, yes. Yeah. I, oh, so good. Um, Cancer Bats were headlining the year that I that I had went, and the basically what what happened was Cancer Bats was playing Pneumonia Hawk on stage, and I was just giving her like it was it was such a great experience and then when they were playing pneumonia hawk for george petite's uh part in that song liam had pulled me up on stage and so i basically screamed like the entire part of ammonia hawk and then ended up like crowd surfing and then headbanging on stage and so 
Um, Magical Metal Fest is a two day thing. So the next day I was doing, I was selling t-shirts and like doing, doing merch, whatever. And I literally had so many people come up to me being like, that was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. Your vocals are amazing. Like this is something you really need to start a band. Like this is something that like I would pay money to see. And I was like, I was stoned and got randomly picked to go on stage. Like this is, this is like a one-time thing. Don't get it twisted. So um yeah magical metal fest happened a like a bunch of videos were shared regarding like what had happened with me getting pulled up on stage and um yeah a lot of people were very very stoked on it and including myself and so um once again my roommate dylan and i uh we went into the basement and he was like just scream your poetry just scream it and we will see how it goes and he played a riff um, which is now our song uh, Starting Over, which will be on our upcoming album. Um, and it was a, a poem that I had just screamed. I had spoken a, a few parts. And then he was like, this is not terrible. <laughs> I was like, thank you. Right. <laughs> and um, yeah. And so basically we had started to do that a little bit, but it was just him and I at this point. And I had posted a couple videos of me like learning how to scream and like kind of doing the the exercises and like making sure the throat was all nice and good. (laughs) And um, nice and loose, nice and loose, (laughs) Um, loosey goosey. And uh, (laughs) and um, yeah, so we actually I had gotten a, a DM from Mike Peters, who is the drummer of Cancer Bats. Right. Yeah. And essentially he was like dude we are playing a show um we are playing a show on august 31st and we would love to have you play at the goodwill and i was like okay (laughs) this is a thing that's happening now and he's like are you still like doing band stuff like is this something that you would be interested in Mm -hmm. and so i was like i don't know i guess i'll ask and so i asked dylan and he was like I know some people. So he contacted two of his friends, his best friend, Seppel, who is now our bassist. And he also plays guitar in, in a, a, one of our songs. And then Julian, who he's known for years as well, who is a drummer. And he also plays killer, 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 killer bass. So we were just like, okay, so are we going to do this? Are we going to play the show? And then they were like, yeah, like, let's do it. So we, um, we practiced in the basement of our house for a couple of weeks and we um, started writing songs and it just turned into something that I did not know was going to be a thing. Like we, we played that show and like, I shit you not Spencer. I was puking the entire time right up until I got on stage. Like sure. Yeah. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of things when, especially when it's like a a first band and there's like a a big show opportunity, like right out the gate. Like I, I would be puking myself too, if it was like cancer bats on the very first show. Well, yeah. And like Agapito, amazing band. They like have members from Union's Talkyards, Comeback Kid and Cancer Bats. They're like, a, like a Winnipeg super group yeah 100%. and like 
I was so scared. I was so terrified. I did not think people were going to like us. And like, even at the beginning of our set, I like fucked up and we had to literally stop and start all over again because I had like, I had like said the wrong thing and came in at the wrong, um, at the wrong time. So Dylan was like, okay, Kayla, take a deep breath. And I was like, (laughs) <laughs> and he's like okay we're gonna we're gonna start this again so he yeah. like started the riff again and then looked at me like gave me like the biggest nod it was like <laughs> and then i was like okay now i know when to go right. so we started and it was really great and i like and the one thing was i was too scared to move so if you like look at the video it's just me swaying i was literally fucking swaying while playing do metal hardcore it was the weirdest experience of my life but i was so so excited and like i had i had taken my my friend at the time had given me um an edible and was like just have like a little bit of it so you're calm and it's fine and so i had ended up eating the entire thing uh before (laughs) (laughs) before we went on before we went on stage and then Right when we did our song Always, which is the the song that we have on Spotify, I was like, oh my God. Oh man, I'm I'm feeling it now. I can't feel my feet, but this is good. This is really, really good. Yeah. And then after everything had happened, like um our set was done, it was great. And like I I was like on another planet and people were like, You did such a good job, that's great. And I'm like, I need water and I need a room with no people in it. Thanks. And a chair <laughs> to sit down and yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was a wonderful experience though, and that was the catalyst that like started at like everything. And yeah, I'm, that I'm kind so of thankful. Set you on that path. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm so thankful that Seppel and Julian decided to join this band on a whim because if it wasn't for them, like I don't even know if this would even be a project. So I'm, I'm right. very thankful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like, uh, I appreciate you, um, kind of st- time stamping the, the start of the band being 2018. So you guys are a fairly new band as far as, um, you know, I, I, you know, lots of bands are getting signed these days and lots of people are like, Oh, this is a new band. But looking back, it's like, well, this band has put in like five years of work and their local scene yeah. or, or their regional scene. So I appreciate that. Um, so it sounds like you were kind of doing poetry and, and, and writing and having some kind of creative release when it comes to that. So um, potentially like doing vocals and writing lyrics in a band was just like the next or the natural thing to uh, that you were going to find eventually. It was just finding the right um, situation. Um, what's sure. What was your, um, I, I guess, like, what do you like to write about um, and like, in those early days and then how has being into uh being in the music scene and playing that how has that shifted i guess what is the subject matter that you're writing about um well for the most part the the stuff that i wrote before being in the band was just like all about mental health and kind of like talking about my experiences living with borderline personality disorder and um and severe depression so that was kind of my release, especially when I was going through manic episodes and like mania, it was something that really helped me kind of normalize my situation as well as normalize what was going on around me. Gotcha. So that was a way to kind of like make me feel somewhat okay, which really has been working for the last like 
15 years of my life. And then being in this band, I've been writing more specifically, like writing more about like the black narrative and like my experiences of being a black person living in Canada as, and like, and also being a black person living with mental, like mental illness. So it's definitely something that like, it's very close to my heart and like all of the songs that like we have, we have all written and like have, have really kind of circulated around that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's like a, a huge thing that I'm seeing, like with all the, the content that's being shared, whether it's actual videos or if that's just like infographics of, you know, uh, topics that kind of surround the black lives matter movement. Um, like mental health is a, it's a huge thing that I think everyone's experiencing. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, I, I know, I know you want to, to get to, to that. Um, but I think, um, something that I shared on my story is like, um, and I'm going to quote this loosely, but like, if anyone's felt like they've had a hard week, you know, we're recording this on like a Tuesday, but like this has been going on on a global scale, probably for the last couple of weeks. But if you've been having a hard time during this, like imagine all the people of color, whether you're black indigenous or what have you have been experiencing this for years and years. So like for me, it's, it's been a challenge, um, to, I guess, like try to protect some mental health stuff for me, but still at the same time, like, um, pull myself down to that level of being like, no, this is the reality for so many people on a day to day basis. Um, yeah. 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 It's, um, it's something, especially in the last like two weeks or so has been very, 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 very exhausting. Like, um waking up and like going through my Facebook feed and seeing people like posting the video of like George Floyd's death and and even like the Ahmad Arbery um shooting was like very 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 difficult like I to this day have not watched either of those videos but like the thought of people posting it like we know that black people and indigenous people are disproportionately killed by police we know that everybody knows that so for me it was like why are you posting this like what what are you getting out of this like I understand that like people need to see it to a certain extent but like do you really though right like you know how many videos do you need to see to actually be like oh like I understand it now like absolutely and it's like it's almost like do you need like shock factor like we all know this is happening and like you could possibly be traumatizing a lot of people who are friends of yours on Facebook who are black and who are of color because like we don't need to be seeing this we don't need to be seeing our people dying Mm. like due to police brutality like it causes so much anxiety and so much stress to the point where like I had to like delete my Facebook app for a couple of days like I was like I'm not I'm not doing this right now and like it was it's been very very difficult I'm not I'm not even gonna front on that like it's been very very difficult so right yeah Yeah. and and, like I was just listening to uh, a podcast maybe I'll just find the actual name so I can shout it out here um it's the uh, the new day feel the power podcast. It's with some like WWE or, uh, wrestling, uh, folk in the black community, but, um, Oh, Xavier Woods. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, yeah, I I shared a clip and they were just talking about like when, when black people see those videos that like people are maybe sharing as like, I'm, I'm helping or like, you know, things like that. Um, 
they see themselves in those situations. And there's Absolutely. so many times where people have been saying like, you know, so-and-so was, was shot or attacked because they were just like running like down the street in their own neighborhood. And, you yeah. know, we're in a quarantine world. So people are like trying to, you know, make use of the more time that they have. So like, they're like, yeah, I started running like last week and now like, and, and there's so many things like aside from even that, where people are just like seeing themselves in those positions. Um, it, it, and it's almost no different if you saw, a like a, a dog being um, killed by a police officer, like being a dog owner immediately, like I think like, well, like, you know, God forbid that would ever happen to, to, to Marty here. Um, oh, Marty, yeah. that's so cute. Yeah. Oh. Um, but yeah, like I, I think the, you know, a question I had here um, and I alluded to this with the whole like Simpsons quote of like, I'm helping. Um, but <laughs> what is um, maybe... Uh, the biggest misstep that someone um, who's like, let's just say white has, has made with this whole thing. Cause I think there's this pressure nowadays with social media where it's like, Oh, like the pandemic's coming. We need to be like this expert when it comes to like economics and like, what's good for our yeah. communities and whatnot. And now with all this stuff happening, um, you know, I'm deeming it like the revolution. People are now trying to be like civil rights activists and like things like that. Um, while, while yourself, you actually have a background with that. Um, what would you like, what would you say is the biggest, like you think you're helping, but you're actually not. I would say the two things in my mind that stick out the most would be not listening to black people regarding what we are feeling and what is actually going on regarding like posting violent things on Facebook. Mm. And then the second thing would be expelling emotional energy to educate people on things that they can look up on Google mm. and things that they can like just read about or like make the effort to look up. Like during this whole experience, I've literally had like almost like, 50 to 75 messages of like people on Instagram asking how they can be a better ally or how they can, how they can like contribute or, or like make the world a better place. And it's like, you need to make that effort yourself. Like I, right. I understand that you want my, my input on that, but like for you to be an ally, that is something that you need to learn how to do yourself and me mm -hmm. expelling my emotional energy on educating you is not fair, especially when like I am going through a lot of trauma and a lot of anxiety dealing with what is being posted on Facebook and what is happening in the world. Right. And I would take, I would take that as like them making more of an effort to be a better ally. If they took that burden upon themselves and was like, you know, like, I need to learn how to do this. I need to learn how to like, do I profit off of black culture? Do I, um, do I culturally appropriate? Am I commodifying the black experience? Like it's, it's all stuff like that, that I feel like culminates into, into being a better ally. Like you have to be more self-aware. You have to understand that people like that people don't really have the time or the, or the effort to, to do these things. And for me, it's, it's almost being selfish. Almost. I understand that it's, that it's important that they, they feel like they, they need almost the, the validation from, from me. And, and that is what's very stressful. Right. Yeah. And, and that gets into like a whole like crazy uh, or topic of just like, 
um, you know, white people kind of like uh, tokening their, you know, black friends or their people of color friends. Um, me and uh, my wife were just watching a, uh, a show on Amazon. I just have to find what the fuck. <laughs> it's uh, like Amazon Prime. Yeah, it's um, okay. It's with Reese Witherspoon, and essentially the whole show is like her very cookie cutter American family, four kids, huge house, like tons of wealth, and then um, a single black mom and her kid come into the neighborhood and they rent a house from her, and then there's like this constant tension of like. <coughs> Oh, can I ask you this? Like, is it weird if you? I know you need money because you're an artist, but is it weird if I ask you to be like a servant in the house? And then that creates all these new dynamics. Um, but I, I 100% agree with you that um, I think overall people are lazy when it comes to doing their research and sourcing yep. out information. Like, yep. I can't tell you how many times people have just hit up scoped and be like what canadian band should i listen to and like like can you take five minutes out of your day to like just look things up um Ab and abso absolutely yeah. absolutely and that is the most that is the most frustrating thing for me and like i have been very very vocal in in calling calling out the fact that like it is laziness it is and like uh, it's also it's also tokenism as well it's like talking to like the black person that you know in the metal scene in in Winnipeg about how to be a better person. Like, I'm not going to teach you how to be a better fucking person. Yeah. That is not in my job description. That's not something that I'm going to put on my fucking resume. So, right. like, do it yourself. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's, um, you know, the, the music community, especially in, like, the hardcore or metal space, I, I think has really come together and um, really supported this movement and this revolution in a, a vocal, but also a financial way. Like I'm seeing yes. so many bands doing, you know, shirts and things like that. Um, and in the same token, like um, I think whenever there's like a, a shift like this, um, there's always going to be um, the truth that comes out about certain things. Like um, yeah. with, police brutality in general like this has been happening for a long time we just have the um the internet and it's at scale so things can the truth can get shifted and pushed out to all these people um yeah. and i'm and i'm just thinking about certain bands where like people are you know being called out and held accountable for you know saying derogatory terms or like doing certain things and um i think I'm seeing a lot of people jump to protect those people um, because they have good music. And this was said, you know, four years ago or whatever. But like, um, I think we need to not hold someone's guitar work or their band's um, clout as an excuse for um, uh, racist undertones, in a sense. I absolutely, I absolutely agree with that honestly like there have been so many people that have been called out for their very problematic behavior and I think that's important because like if it happened four years ago five years ago whatever like it's still something that was said and that's still something that was put out into the world so like you are affecting hundreds maybe millions of people with what you are saying and you need to be called the fuck out for that and yeah. like I definitely think that that's the first step in understanding that you've made a mistake yeah 
You know what yeah. I mean? And like that is how progress happens and that is how change happens. So it's a good it's a good thing. It obviously it may suck at the beginning, but you know what? If you do what you need to do with it, then it's really not that bad. It's a learning experience. And like that might come at the cost of losing a few fans. That might come at the cost of 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 a lot of things, but I, I definitely think that that is important and like it is a step towards greatness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I think that couldn't be worded any more perfectly a step towards greatness like i think when there's those kind of things that happen like it's definitely uncomfortable because your your world shatters a bit like you're like um you know the band that's off the top of my head is like the ghost inside because that was a band that i grew up with especially getting into like more heavier music you know the the whole bus crash and everything was like you know, seeing them come from that was like, oh, wow, this is going to be so cool. And then like right when like the album was coming out, um, uh, their bass player was like called out because he was calling their bus driver the N word time and time again while they were on tour. And I, you know, I, I looked at some of those things, but I saw so many people just like defending him and being like, oh, like people grow. And, and I'm like, yeah, like people grow for sure. But like, you need to be held accountable, but you need to be okay with um, the community overall not accepting your apology and just being like, okay, you can go back to the band now, you know? Yeah, I, yeah. I, absolutely, I absolutely agree with that. Like people should not get passes for things that they've done a couple of, a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. Like, no, if you have been openly racist and you have been openly ignorant and like have been a bigot, like you deserve to get called the fuck out. Like I, you, you really do. And once again, like if nobody calls you out, you're going to perpetuate that violent behavior and it's not going to stop, yeah. you know, like if, if someone is driving for a band, like who's getting paid to offer them a service, like they're going to be scared to call them out because they're going to have a fear of, am I going to be able to, to pay my bills? Am I going to be able to survive if right. I don't have this job? Yeah. And like, it's, it's so mind blowing to me that like, like the stress and the anxiety that black people go through on a daily basis out of, and like the silence that we have perpetuated in our own community out of fear of being ostracized by other, by, by white people. Mm, it's, yeah. it's so it, it blows my fucking mind. It, and it is so heartbreaking to me that people are scared of speaking up, especially now, because like out of fear of being murdered, out of fear of, of losing their job, out of fear of not being able to support themselves. And that is the scary fucking thing about this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so to kind of shift topics there, just the, the overall um, act of speaking out and speaking up, um, uh, I, I I remember watching uh, a podcast clip or I don't know if it was just an interview, but you were saying like a lot of people, especially who are white, are like scared to share something. And so instead of, um, you know, trying to be the voice, like turning, turning, the, turning the microphone <laughs> to allow uh, people of color to have a platform. And that's definitely something that um, that resonated with me when I, I said that, because um, what am I going to like? especially when this was all happening, I'm like, so I'm going to put out a podcast that just talks about like cool records and mosh moments and things like that. Like, no, I want to use this, you know, small megaphone in the grand scale of things to be able to amplify um, the actual voices and, and the stories that are happening because, you know, I'm, I'm just a white guy. So I should be 
uh, a, I think being a good ally is like recognizing your privilege and you utilizing that to be on the side of the, of, of the, the winning or not the winning, but the, the proper team. Absolutely. I come, I completely, I completely agree with that flat out. Like it is important for allies to, to turn the microphone around and to let black people say their piece because like I like going to show since I was 13 years old, like it, it's predominantly been like cis white men that I've, I've paid money to go and see. So it's like, for me, the, the chance to actually be a black person, to be a black queer person and fronting a band is like one, it's a lot of responsibility Two, it's a lot of responsibility that I didn't even know that would be on my shoulders at this point. Three, it's like, it can be very fucking exhausting, but it is the greatest experience that I've ever had in my life. Like to, to have people come up to me and be like, you are like, it is awesome to see someone that looks like me on stage, or it is someone like, it is amazing to see someone who is queer on stage. Like yeah. all of that stuff is wonderful. And like, that is why I, I am in this band. There is a message that needs to be put out there. And I feel like if I don't do that, then I am not doing my due dil diligence as a front person. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think like, um, like Canada overall, I like, you know, everyone talks about like it being a melting pot, a lot of different cultures and, yep. and things like that. And personally, I love I love that when it comes to hardcore, like being able to um, to see all these different cultures and communities all come together. And, you know, whether you're moshing or playing in bands. Um, but uh, the episode that I did just before this was with my friend Jordan out of um, from the band Karma. And when I was asking him, like, is there any um, black vocalists or bands that you want to shout out and he was struggling he's like i really hate the fact that i can't name like a, a laundry list of different you know black fronted or just members uh in different bands who are black and so um i think you know going back to where we were talking about before calling um racist shit out and like removing those people from the scenes i think is the one of the best ways to actually encourage more people to come in more people to start bands because if you hear stuff going on like and you're someone of color like like what's the like i'm sure there's a lot of um well what's the point of me starting a band when like people are going to say this while i'm playing at the back of the room yeah yeah um yeah, did you I, did you I have any experiences with that yourself when you were first starting with a with your band or did you find um, it for the most part on the positive front? Um, honestly, the reception has been, has been great. Like the only thing is that like, I wish that the audiences were like, there were more black people that came to the shows and, and like, but honestly, I, I have actually talked to a couple of my, of my black friends and like a lot of their friends didn't even know that there was a black queer vocalist in the city right. a lot of them didn't even know that vagina witchcraft existed in the first place so now with like this platform that i've been given because of the speech that i gave at the at the justice for black lives rally um i'm definitely seeing a lot more people of color like listening to our band i'm seeing a lot more people like liking our our instagram and facebook page mm -hmm. and like this this platform and like the speech that i gave really resonated with people which i'm very thankful for 
And like, for, and like, I've talked to a lot of my friends about this and a lot of people are actually scared to come to our shows because they don't know who is going to be there. And like, if they're going to be ostracized or if they're going to be the only person of color in the audience, because Mm -hmm. when I went to shows or even going to shows now, well, post COVID or whatever, there was, was barely any people of color that were there. It was just like a sea of caucasity. And like, it was, um, it, it can be overwhelming sometimes. And I feel like now people are starting to actually notice that there aren't a lot of people of color that go to shows. Not to say that like nobody goes because there is a booming, booming indigenous community that loves hardcore and loves metal. And it's fucking right. amazing. Yeah. And like, I, yeah. And, and that to me is, is fucking rad. Like I, I love playing music for people. And like, at first it was a little overwhelming and very scary to have to play for white people and to have them, the audience major, like be, to be Caucasian. Mm. So for me, it was like, are they going to like what I'm saying? Like, are they going to appreciate what I'm saying? And the response has been very, very good. But before when I was younger and would go to shows, like I used to have racist slurs thrown at me all the time, Mm. all the time. And people would like, be like, Hey, do you like bad brains? And I'm like, they're not the only band that has black people in them just to let you know. Right. But it's also kind of like a, a double minority factor being a girl or sorry, uh, being a non-binary person as well. Um, mm-hmm. You know, because I'm sure there's been bands that have been thrown at you. It'd be like, oh, you must like this band. You're like, well, actually, I don't like, you know, punch or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's I, I think being able to to put more spotlight. And I think going back to what you said at the very beginning, like the fact that um, I don't know as far as like your, your relationship with cancer bats, like prior to you starting this band, but the fact that they gave you, you know, those 20 seconds, uh, to do that guest vocal spot was kind of the trajectory that really changed your life. And they could have easily been like, yeah, we might not do that. It changed everything. And like, now I can, I can actually call them my friends and they have been incredibly fucking supportive during this time. And like Liam has been sending me tons of messages, just being like, keep going. You are doing great. (laughs) And, um, I'm also very close with, um, the lead singer of a hardcore band called sharp tooth. And, uh, yeah, Lauren, Lauren Kishan is the fucking goat. Like, she has been so supportive during this time and like it's very wonderful to see people in the hardcore scene and people in winnipeg just like rallying around black people and like trying to know and to get that information on being a better ally like that is all i have ever wanted like being a black person in this city is just people to just understand the black narrative and to understand what we go through on a daily fucking basis right um so to to talk about that the winnipeg uh protest that you were a part of and and you got the opportunity to speak at um Mm -hmm. i i highly recommend anyone who's watching or listening to go to kayla's instagram and watch the video uh where you're giving the the speech because it gave me chills like all the way through and um <laughs> i it, it's funny like i i was listening to you, i'm like man they should have mentioned that you are a metal vocalist so like maybe turn down <laughs> the game because you were just s- 
screaming from the heart. So I'm sure the audio guy in the back's like, oh crap, I got to bring down the levels. <laughs> um, but talk to me about just like, um, obviously that opportunity doesn't come to any Joe Schmo on the street. And um, can you talk to me about the actual um, poem that you wrote for that? And, and what was your process to really articulate some of the things that have been on your heart and on your mind, not just in the last two weeks, but you know, for your entire life? Well, it's funny because the poem that I had that I had recited, it's called I Am Black History in the Making. Um, It was written five years ago. Um, I had written it when I was in Las Vegas. Um, My mom and I were sun tanning and a woman, a white woman came up to me, touched my afro and told me that I I felt like a sheep. And I was like, okay. This is Thanks, one of Karen. the most terrible moments ever. Like, yeah. fuck you, first of all. Yeah. And um, my mom just gave me the gave me a look and was like, "Hey, we're just gonna leave now." So I just right. I got up and just fucking booked it. But yeah, that is probably that poem is one of the the my my favorite ones that I've ever written. And like, um, when I was looking at the fact that they were looking for speakers for this rally, I was like, I'll just throw my hat in there and see what the fuck happens and they were like can you send me the poem that you want to recite and I was like for sure Mm -hmm. so I did and Millette um was one of the organizers of the event and they were like this is fucking amazing um I'm going to send to the rest of the organizers and I will get back to you on if um we we decided that we want you to speak. And I was like, okay. So like two days later, three days later, they were like, okay, so we've added you to the list of speakers. And I was like, yeah, like, yeah. And then, um, so yeah, I got added. And then I was like, this is exciting. Like, I'm sure there will be a couple people there. It'll be good. And then the two hours before the event started, they were like, so you're going to go last. And I was like, so you're gonna headline no pressure yeah and then so i was like this is fucking this is so scary like holy shit and um so we we got to the rally and everything's fine and people were actually starting to come and i was like shaking dude i i have never been so scared in my entire life and then um uzoma uh they are um a queer black one of the first queer black MLAs for for Union Station for Winnipeg, they came up to the podium and did the most amazing speech I have ever heard in my life. And I was like, I have to follow that up? Crap. I don't know if I can do this. (laughs) And then um, before I had spoken, there was a, a queer or... I, I believe she identifies as a lesbian. She, she was a lesbian um, educator and she talked about how her experiences were like teaching and um, just being being gay in, in the school system and how um, there's kind of like a, a little bit of a lack of representation um, in that regard. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is so good. I don't know what I'm going to do. And then after she had spoken and then Ella also one of the organizers was like introducing me I was like trembling I I was literally holding my phone and I was like it, I was like vibrating at a very high frequency <laughs> and, then, um, and then I like got up to the 
to the podium and I was like, I just started screaming. Honestly, I had, I don't even remember the first thing I said. I was like, I, I, yeah, honestly, at this point it's, it's lost on me. And then I just screamed like I am black history in the making and then just started. And then people were like finishing the work, like the sentences I was saying and just like screaming. And I couldn't really see very well because the sun was like directly in my face. And like, yeah, at the end of it, I, I literally, everyone just like erupted in this, in this like enormous applause. And I was like, what the fuck? And then, right. um, and then I had like collapsed into the like arms of all of the organizers who were standing behind me. And like, I physically like Spencer, I, I like, they had to hold me up because right, I had like yeah. completely, completely like lost any feeling in my legs and just like could not even stand for at least five to 10 seconds. Right. And then, yeah. So it was a very, very, very poignant moment in my life that I will never, I will never forget this ever, ever. And I think uh, originally we, when we first got in chats, we were going to do this before that speech. Mm -hmm. And then uh, when you were bringing that up, it's like, yeah, let's do it. Definitely. I think we scheduled for the day after. And then you were like, I need a day of rest. I'm like, no, I totally agree. Like you went full super Saiyan, like just (laughs) absolutely like, I'm surprised you didn't just straight up start commanding people to start moshing or stuff like that. Like it was on these motherfuckers. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But I think like, um, the, the words that you were saying, I was, I was reading, as you were saying them. Um, and I would love if you maybe at the end of this podcast would like read an excerpt of that. Um, I think that'd be yeah, kind of cool. Um, obviously sure. you don't want to do the whole thing cause you know, it, it doesn't push anyone to go actually watch or listen to the whole thing, but, oh, for um, sure, yeah. but yeah, I think like the, the whole process of like taking the thoughts and the feelings that you have, um, and putting that onto paper and like using that as a way to communicate to the world, um, is a time and time again thing that how important and how powerful that can be. And especially during this time, if, if you, uh, aren't using, uh, your experiences to amplify and, and communicate. And if you're, a, if you're white, you should essentially, like I said before, like pointing the microphone and trying to empower those people. Um, because ultimately things have been silent for far too long, kind of how you said, like, um, people of color have almost accepted silence in, in a small way. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, (coughs) so, um, yeah, like kind of like what's, what's next for you? Like, I, I know that was a, I don't think that's necessarily a peak moment, but that's probably like a high, high point of your, of your year for sure. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I guess right now we're in the process of trying to record an album and we have like most of our masters done. It's just a matter of like tweaking them. Um, and we actually want to add the poem that I, that I recited onto the album. Hell yeah. So, yeah, and we're going to start playing it when we start playing shows and stuff. Like, it's going to be like an intro kind of thing. So, yeah, that's what we're going to start doing. But, yeah, for the most part, it's the album and it's practice and practice, practice until we get asked to play a show or if we put on put one on ourselves. Yeah, cool. Um, And and maybe one of the things that we can kind of end on to kind of start wrapping up. um, Mm -hmm. First off, I have to say I love all your just 
black t-shirts with just simple simple wording on them <laughs> um, i think i think and you can correct me if i'm wrong i've seen phenomenally black yeah. um a destroy white supremacy, white supremacy yeah which super sick and then there's one more that i'm trying to remember um but uh you know i i've i've seen it in your instagram bio too you know being unapologetically black and mm-hmm. um how how do you feel like someone who is of color um can get to that point because i i, I truly believe like with that or just being able to to speak in front of people like that's all a, a muscle and a skill like some people are going to have um that as like a natural thing to a degree but i think people when it comes to um practicing being anti-racist that's not something that just happens overnight or a choice it needs to be you know it needs to be practiced in those moments where you're at like fucking applebee's and you hear like someone say something like at the table behind you it yeah it's, so how do you think that people can practice that um, being um, may- maybe on both sides, being um, unapologetically black, but also being anti-racist overall? I think the one the one thing regarding anti-racism is to once again, that is all a part of being an ally. Like it is not enough to say that racism is bad. We all fucking know racism is bad. We all do. Like being diligently anti-racist involves calling out your friends for being racist, calling out your family members for being racist, having those difficult conversations, supporting black people, supporting black owned businesses, supporting black sex workers, supporting black art, supporting the black narrative, supporting like giving your time, giving your money. Like if you can't give money, just listen, just listen to us and listen to what we have to say. Because like, for people like the the clip that you were talking about earlier about like me handing the mic um handing the mic over for people to to say their piece i got a lot of fucking backlash for that to the point where i actually had to like turn off my phone and delete facebook because oh really yes yes mm. because people were saying like i a white man have never ex- experienced or seen racism and i'm like yeah cool brad but like you need to fucking listen and like understand that there are people who experience this on a daily fucking basis. Like I'm not talking out of my ass. This is my life and my experiences. You have no fucking right to tell me that what I have experienced didn't happen because you didn't fucking see it happen. Right. I don't know you. So how the fuck would you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, ugh. Um, I think there's, there's been so many things that I've learned in the last few days where it's just talking about like, you know, just like communities in general. Cause like for me being a, a very like cookie cutter Canadian middle-class, like white family upbringing, um, the, the, I went to a private Christian school and I, there was one, uh, black dude in my grade. Um, and like for me getting out of that bubble once I graduated and started going to shows and like just started, you know, doing things like at the beginning, like I can honestly say at the beginning when I started going to hardcore shows and started to hear things like fuck the police and things like that, I thought it was just something at the beginning of just being edgy. And then once I started to like digest that more, like why are people actually saying this? And it's like, Oh, okay. So like there's some, 
there's some bad apples. And then over time, like, it's like, oh, like, no, this is a, a system that is um, built to oppress people and to um, move forward of the white agenda. And, you know, like, I think, like I said before, a lot of those things don't happen overnight. I think there's a lot of people that are just trying to um, make sure that they're, they're, they don't get canceled for saying certain things, but a lot of things just need to be like a practice, like I said earlier. Um, Absolutely. I completely, I completely agree with that a hundred percent. And like what you had stated earlier about like um, what, what people can do. Like, I just, I don't know. I just think it's important to like, there obviously is a fear of like being canceled if you have said something racist, but like, if you're scared of being canceled for saying something racist, y'all fucking deserve to be canceled. I'm just saying. Right. <laughs> yeah. I and I, I think there's a difference between like, I'm worried of someone finding out something that I said versus like, oh, I'm just a, a regular white guy and am I doing enough and, you know, things like that. So yeah. I think the overall theme is like, um, I, I heard this on a podcast as well and I've, I've, I'm referencing a lot of different podcasts because I'm trying to consume a lot and, and get uh, educated. But um, <laughs> the, uh, someone said something to the effect of like, um, it's okay, like there's the whole saying like better, better late than never. Um, but yeah. someone had added to that point where it's like better late than never, but late is never better, you know? Ooh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. I heard that. Ooh, I was like, I, like that. I need to repeat that. Cause I need to get that in my head. Um, it's not to say that those people that, you know, come on the other side, like I I've seen like certain stories where people have like neo Nazi tattoos and they want to get them covered up and like, you know, things like that. I think those are good. I think it's good to show that racism um like like it is something that's taught over time can be taught or untaught but it takes time it takes a muscle to to practice that and uh it does yeah it, um, it really it really takes an effort it takes a lot of effort it's exhausting it's tiring like sometimes you even question if you want to do it but like if you are w truly, truly wanting to be an ally and if you are wanting to be actively anti-racist, these are difficult things that you are going to have to do. Mm. And like, I think it's important for people to understand that like, I have had people in my life that I am friends with who have been racist in the past. I have had friends in my life who have made comments like that. And like, it's important to know that like people can grow and people can evolve. Yeah. It is just the work that goes into it that people almost like stray away from sometimes. And it's like, well, I would rather just be complacent in my ignorance rather than make the effort to be a better person. Right. Yeah. And I, and I think on that, that's a, a beautiful place that we can um, kind of wrap up the conversation. Uh, Kayla, yeah. thank you so much for taking an hour out of your day to, to chat with me and, um, you know, share your heart, but also share your, um, your insight. Cause I think, um, like I said before, you have been so much in the trenches of all this. So I think it's more, more and more important for, for me to, to give you guys a little bit of a, of a platform to, to talk about it. Um, how do people Thanks. keep up with you and your band and you know, the things that you're involved in, uh, on social media? Well, um, just search up Vagina Witchcraft on Facebook. We are Vagina Witchcraft Band on Instagram. And 
yeah, I think that's that's about it. And then we also have like just search up Vagina Witchcraft on Spotify. We're on all streaming platforms. So go fucking nuts. Yeah. And and the difference for the band is just your handle with band and then yours yeah, is basic, just the full band. Basically, if you want to haul at me, it's just Vagina Witchcraft, but the band is Vagina Witchcraft Band. Awesome. And I'm really excited to hear the the new stuff that you're coming up. I'm excited to hear that poem um, on the album. Do you, do you still mind uh, sharing a, a, an excerpt of that? I know that's, For sure. you got to like pull sure. it up or whatever. So it starts off, it's, I am black history in the making. I am an entity. I am love. I am unfinished. <laughs> I am not your sassy black friend. <laughs> so yeah, that's, yeah. I'm, yeah. There's a clip of, there's a little bit of that at the beginning. And then at the end it goes, um, hands up. And then fist raised, uh, I am power. Yeah. So yeah, beginning yeah. and, and uh, the Yeah, <laughs> I definitely put you on the spot a little bit just to say it, but like the emotion and the the power that you say it in uh, in that in that video is um, can't can't be replicated. So um, again, Kayla, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and uh, uh, appreciate you and everything. Absolutely you're doing. appreciate you too, Spencer. Thank you so much. You're welcome.